The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thank you so much for joining us on Easter Sunday. Now, I know it's been two years for many people, and uh, we've had a pandemic, we've had financial issues, we've had racial and social issues, and all of these things, I think, have, have culminated in many people just wanting to throw up their hands and say, what? what's going on? Where is my foundation? What in the world can I cling to? And I love Easter. I love Easter because every church all across the nation, just like we did, you start planning Easter months ago. And when it comes to what is the message going to be? Well, the message is the resurrection of Jesus. That's always going to be the message for Easter, as it should be. But that message is so central to everything that we believe. It's so impactful for your life that I think sometimes that simple, foundational, central truth is one that we need to hear in a new and refreshing way. And when I start to put together messages in my mind, I always want them to click. I I really do. I want there to be this moment where I go, oh, that makes sense to me. Because if it makes sense to me, I know that most of you are smarter than me. So if it makes sense to me, then it's probably going to make sense to you. And I will tell you that today, when I started to put this message together, weeks ago, literally, it clicked. It just was so simple to see how much God loves you, how much he's for you, how much the resurrection of Jesus means for your life. And so the passage that we're choosing to walk through today is actually found in 1 Peter. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read all of those verses right now and then kind of go verse by verse or even phrase by phrase back through it. But I want you to hear the whole thing off the bat. Here we go. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise him. For in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's Easter. It's right there. And that gives us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's waiting there for you. For those who faith accept it and it's shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. Beautiful passage there. And I want you to look and see how Peter's thoughts come together in this passage. Now, I want you to know this. Here's just a little kind of geek out fact. There are 10 verses, starting with verse 3. Okay, so 10 verses in 1 Peter, starting at verse 3, and it's all one run-on sentence. And you would think, 10 verses, one sentence, man, what, what are you doing? He doesn't even reach the top five when it comes to run-on sentences in the Bible. So here's what's happening. You have certain men and women of God who are going, God is this, and He has done this, and because of that, this happens, and 
just because I'm on a roll now, I want you to see this. It is just a spilling out of praise. It's a spilling out of gratitude. And that's what Peter is doing here. He's praising God for all that he has done through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's saying, bless the Father for his great mercy because he's given us new birth into a living hope that becomes an inheritance for those who through faith are in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful, structured way of letting us know what the resurrection of Jesus means for you and for me. So let's break it down. First of all, first of all, bless the Father. Bless the Father. 1 Peter 1 verse 3, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter instructs us to bless the Father. Now you're going, why, why are you switching the words up there? Well, because in the Greek it says, bless God. Now here's why the NIV translates it, praise God. Praise God makes more sense to us. God is someone we praise. He is the blesser. So we don't get to bless God because God's the blesser. But here's exactly how I want you to see it, and here's what Peter wanted us to understand. Have you ever been down and out? Have you ever been hurting and in need? Have you ever been in a situation in your life where someone steps in in your greatest moment of necessity and they come through for you? And then your response to them is simply this. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I, I remember being in a Walmart parking lot, all right? Walmart parking lot, go out, need to get home. It's raining outside. Turn on my truck. Battery's completely dead. I'm just like, great. I don't have jumper cables. I'm in the middle of the parking lot. There's no cars around me. So I kind of get out, and I'm, I'm literally standing in the rain with no hope. And this person drives up and goes, do you need some help? Yes, my car's dead. Do you happen to have any jumper cables? As a matter of fact, I do. Okay, my battery's on this side. Can you pull up here? I was wrong. My battery's on the other side. But, but they pull up as close as they can. The battery cable, the jumper cables, they happen to reach. They jump the car. And I remember saying this. It, it's so not my nature to say this. But I literally just looked at this man and I said, bless you. Bless you for getting my car started so I can get home to my family. Bless you. Bless you for doing something that I desperately needed. And that's what Peter's doing. He's saying, all of this, all of this church, everything that we're going to unpack in the next few moments, everything has been done by God for you because in your hopelessness, in your mess, in your greatest moment of need, he saw that and he came through. And he came through by giving his one and only son, Jesus, for you. And for that, it is appropriate to say, bless you. Bless you, God. Praise you for what you've done. Bless you, Father, for his great mercy. Bless the Father for his great mercy. Let's read verse 3 again who in his great mercy he has given us new birth into living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His great mercy. God's mercy is what he shows to humans despite their sin and their shortcoming. It's what he shows in the form of love and grace to those who do not deserve it and can never earn it. Even though, and many of you feel this, you are completely hopeless to fix your current circumstances. God shows you mercy. He steps into your mess because God's for you. God is for you. And I want you to know that today. The reason I can say that so definitively, that God is for you, that God loves you, even when you're sitting here going, I don't know if I believe that, it's because he gave his son's life for you. That's how I know he's for you. His mercy, his great mercy has given you new birth. I want you to see how this is starting to stack up. Okay? We are to bless God or praise God. And we're to do that because of his great mercy. And in that great mercy, he's giving us new birth. 1 Peter 1 verse 3. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The idea of new birth is foreign. It's a foreign concept to many of us. It doesn't really make sense, but when you read the Bible from cover to cover, this idea, this concept of new birth, it's in there. And here's all it means. Our new birth is necessary to change our status before God. Because... Every one of us who is naturally born, so if you're listening to this today, that would include you, you were born into a sinful world. And because you're born into a sinful world, your status before God is that of a sinner. And in order to spend eternity with this same God, your creator, the one who loves you and is for you, that status needs to change. And from cover to cover in scripture, we find out the way that you change that status is through being reborn, through a new birth. And I know, once again, those words just don't sound right, but they're true. And when we understand God's mercy for us, we see the simple idea and how profoundly it changes our status with God. And just like you naturally didn't get to control your birth, and I don't want to go into biology class right now, but you really had nothing to do with it. Spiritually, you don't control your new birth either. It's all because of who God is and what he's done. And I'll show that here. Look at what First Peter says, or what Peter says in chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous God, or Jesus, for the unrighteous, us, those who were born into sin, to bring, to, to bring you to God. That's why he suffered for our sins, was to bring us to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And so then can we be brought to life in the spirit. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says it this way. He saved us, not because of righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. Remember, his great mercy. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus was approached by a great religious teacher. His name was Nicodemus. And this guy comes up and he goes, hey, I've followed the law. I've done everything really great, but I need to know what does it take to inherit? What do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus looks at him and goes, you gotta be reborn. And he literally says the most profound thing. He goes, how can I do that? Literally, how can I do that? How can I be reborn? I was born once, I can't crawl back in there. I, how can I be reborn? And Jesus goes, no, you don't understand. This all happens through the Holy Spirit. This is something that occurs because of God's great mercy. You need to be born again. The old needs to be put to death and the new needs to be brought to life. And this all happens not because of what you do or how great you are, but because of who God is. And I will tell you, you're struggling to rectify all this in your mind, just take a deep breath and realize the love that's involved in this. If you want to be with God because of his great mercy, he has paved the way for you to be born anew, to be regenerated by his spirit, by his power, so that your status with him will change. And I, I'm sure that if you were to be honest with yourselves, you felt it. You, you felt this disconnect between you and God, something that you really didn't ask or bring upon yourself. It's just kind of how you were born. But for those who, through faith, have decided to follow God, to receive his mercy, there's a new birth there, a new life, a new status that leads to a living hope. A new birth into a living hope. We're still in verse 3. We will speed up, but still in verse 3. It's into a living hope that's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is this living hope? Well, it definitely involves promises for today. There are promises that God has for you today, and you need to cling to those. But this living hope is so much bigger because it is a hope that is confidently expecting what is to come. Okay. I understand that for most people, the greatest thing in life is right now, right in front of you. But if you were to take just a moment today and step back and think of yourself as an eternal being, a soul that will spend eternity somewhere, and you know that forever is this long, and now this life is nothing, it's a mist, it's a vapor, it's a puff. If you were to look at the whole, then what is the greatest hope you could have now? Well, that would be to secure this eternity. And that's what God's great mercy and his new birth provide. It's a living hope for the future. It's an assurance of what is going to come. And the assurance, the down payment on that guarantee is the fact that the grave is empty that Jesus' body is not there, that the strongest empire this world has maybe ever known could not disprove the voices of a few hundred peasants in Palestine who said, we followed this guy named Jesus 
He said four times in his life he was going to die and be resurrected. And his tomb is empty. That is the promise of Easter. And that is the living hope that God has for us, assured in the resurrection of Jesus, that no matter what this life brings, there's something better and greater waiting for you. Peter will go on and he will call that living hope because it will become an inheritance. He says it's a living hope that becomes an inheritance. Verse 4, a living hope turns into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Have you ever thought, let's take a break. Let's, let's all just take a break for a second. Have you ever thought about what's going to be left for you when your parents pass away, when some rich uncle you don't know about maybe dies and leaves you something you don't know about? Have you, have you ever thought that? And I know it's morbid, and I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but you have. You've thought about it. You, you've thought about what might come. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, there's a lot waiting for me when so-and-so passes away. And for others, you're going, yeah, there's a lot of debt in a big house full of junk I don't want. Like, it's, an inheritance is not always a beautiful thing. But I will say this. A little over a year ago, my grandmother passed away, and I received a small inheritance. My sister and I were blessed by the work, the hard work of my grandmother and my grandfather. It's not life-changing, but it was something that we didn't expect. And when the executor of the estate, my aunt, told us we were going to get an inheritance, we felt very blessed by that. Oh, there's been someone who we knew, someone we cared about, someone that we loved, and someone that, in all honesty, if you know my story, I wouldn't have got this inheritance if my mom was still alive. So I had to tell my aunt, the executor of the will, that I would give back every dime of this if it meant another minute with my mom. But yet it was still received with joy. Because inheritances, they're, they're interesting. You don't really do anything for them. You just got to be a part of the family. And you got to make sure that the one who's doling it out accepts you as part of the family. Until I experienced this last year of my life and then read this passage, I, I think I was missing the beauty of the inheritance that God the Father offers us. But I want you to see why you're a part of it. God has one child, one son. His name is Jesus. He gets it all, not when God dies. God doesn't die, he's eternal. But he gets the whole kingdom. Everything is his. Yet because of the sacrifice of Jesus, me and you are invited through faith to get to be co-heirs with Jesus? To get in on a piece of the greatest inheritance that this world has ever seen? And there's no limit to who can join the family. 
You don't have to have the right last name. You don't have to live in a perfect way. There's just one qualification. You've got to believe in the Father. It's Romans that talks about this. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 17. There's other places, but this is probably the most clear. It says this. Now, if we are children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs of God. Are, are you hearing this? I was legally deemed an heir of my grandmother's estate, and that, that moved me. She ain't God. But if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs to everything that is his. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. If we endure this life, if we do not allow it to overcome us, if we choose him over the things of this world, if we are smart enough, if we're wise enough, humble enough, capable enough to not gain something from this world, but in doing so, lose our soul. Then we're co-heirs with Christ. And here's how. It's for those that through faith are shielded by God. It's faith that unlocks this. First Peter 1, 4 and 5. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith in God are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation. This inheritance is only for those who believe, who believe in the great mercy of God, for those who have received new birth because of God's great mercy, which then changes our status with him. That has brought us a living hope because there's nothing this world can do that will crush us because we know that even if our lives are taken from us, we have an inheritance that's sealed and shielded by the power of God waiting for us, not when he dies. That's the difference of this inheritance. It's not when God dies, it's passed on. It's when we die, we step into it. We have this inheritance that is now ours. It's a living hope for today, but also a promise for eternity. It's an inheritance that's protected by God himself. And it cannot be robbed by any lawyer, by any disgruntled family member, by any shortcoming on your part. No one can take away the inheritance of a child of God. So what must you do then to guarantee this living hope, this beautiful inheritance? Well, you must put your faith in God's son, Jesus. You must believe that he is the resurrected king as the heir of God's kingdom, the one who will take it all and receive it all and who then invites you into the family. You have to believe that and you have to allow him to be the Lord of your life. And today, if you've never done that, then I would encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. This simple prayer that I believe places you before God in his mercy 
in a way that allows you to receive this living hope and to assure yourself this inheritance. And there's no special way to pray it, but it goes something like this. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. I see that this world has so many hardships and trials, and I see that you have overcome this world, and that you are alive, and that your son Jesus has conquered sin and death, and I want to place my trust and my hope and my faith in him. I want to believe that he is Lord of my life, and I want to spend eternity with you make me new change my status with you through my faith in your unfailing love and when you pray that with an amen I believe that your status with God has been changed I believe that new birth has come and it doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect because you're going to cling to you're going to look forward to a living hope that is to come and so for those of you who have at some point in your life prayed that prayer who who believe that truth in your heart then i would point you back to the very beginning first peter 1 verse 3 it says praise be to god and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you, God. Bless you for what you've done for me that I do not deserve. And as you just piece it all back together, bless the Father for his great mercy to give new birth, a new status into a living hope that is for today and most importantly for tomorrow. That living hope becomes an inheritance for those through faith that are shielded by God. No one can take this away. That is a promise for you, church, that I believe should cause you to bless the Lord. Praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done. That's what Easter is all about. Ultimately, it is God doing all the work for you and him getting the glory. So Father, today as we close, we thank you that Jesus is alive and we give you all the praise and all the glory as we bless your holy name. It's in that name we pray, amen.